Welcome to the Wine and Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle FC fan podcast. The podcast that is in the playoffs. So in this pod, less of the usual 27 years worth of ICT references packed into an hour of wild conjecture and mild destruction. And more about the last few league games, uh, the two big ones against Partick Thistle, the head-to-heads, key players, a chat with a Partick fan and much more. This is the playoff preview pod. Let's shuffle. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No water cell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. What did Tarzan see when he found a screwdriver? There's it. Welcome one and all, I'm Andrew Moffat and joining me for this Partick preview pod is coming soon, Andrew Young. Hello. Hello. And soon coming, Andrew Sutherland. Hello. I was expecting a lot worse than that. <laughs> that would be a reference to, to, to your excitement and everyone's excitement should we topple the might of the Furhill Fashionistas, which is what we're going to be uh, talking about on this pod mainly. But before that, something new, the headlines. Elon Musk has bought Twitter for $44 billion, which is incidentally the same amount of money Hamilton lost to a Ugandan fraudster last year. Johnny Depp's court case reaches its 30th day with lawyers saying they haven't seen such an acrimonious split since Callie Thistle and Michael Gardine. Elon Musk has bought Twitter for $44 billion, which is the exact same number of bids that Callum Davidson lodged for Robbie Dees in January. In the wake of record numbers of subscriptions... In the wake of record numbers of subscription losses for Netflix, the streaming giant commissions Dundee Till I Die, or rather Dundee Till I Dare, then cancels it. And Elon Musk has bought Twitter for $44 billion, which is the number uh, that the population of Inverness is expected to rise to in the next 10 years, which is a lot of buses to Ibrox. Those were the headlines. <laughs> something different there, something different. Uh, <clears throat> so a bit of a different pod, uh, this one. We're recording this on the Saturday, the day after the, the, the Hamilton demolition uh, and the end of the league season. We've got Partick away on Tuesday the 3rd of May and then Partick at home on Friday the 6th. So this, this pod has a particularly short uh, shelf life. So let's get on with it. So, well, since we last recorded, obviously you've got the Hamilton 4-0. We've beaten Morton 1-0. We lost to the worst team in the league after beating the best team in the league and we drew with air after being 2-0 up. Uh, is this the season in microcosm, gents? Yeah, pretty much. Unexpectedly good against the big teams. And... Um, absolute pish uh, against Queen of the South certainly and in the second half against the air you know can't quite put my finger on I mean we'll talk about it later why um, we were poorer in those games but I can't quite put my finger on why it's been consistently like that all season that we can't seem to show quality against the poorer teams So what, what's your highlight highlight been of these these, these fast, uh, past five games? Mm. Um, my highlight highlight is probably Shane Sullivan doing some kind of like Benjamin Button um, based on Cristiano Ronaldo and changing from uh, um, not so prolific striker into a really quite effective um, right midfielder um, just kind of like you know thundering down the right hand side of the pitch he's been setting up goals he's been picking up goals himself um, I, I'm not sure is he, is he our top goal scorer now I think he might be um, but he's starting up there with the assists as well yeah he's got he's the top league goal scorer league, he's got 10 league uh, goals okay, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. well he's, he's, he's done 
brilliantly over the last like few weeks, especially. And um, well, obviously, like last night, he's uh, ended up getting voted the Players Player of the Year. So obviously, a lot of respect for his efforts in the squad as well. So fair play to a guy who, you know, I'll hold my hand up. I didn't think he had too much of a future at the club um, earlier on this season. So I think he's been brilliant. So fair play to him. Good on him. There you go. Sometimes we are wrong. Sometimes we're wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Highland, Highland highlight. Anyway. For me, sort of turn to Roddy McGregor. Um, that might be yours as well, Moff, because I know you absolutely love him. But I just oh. think it's, it's been great to see him back and um, capped with that lovely little finish against Morton last week that almost everyone seemed to miss except me. It was a beautiful curling shot in the bottom corner. And he looked superb last night again as well. And, you know, he gives us a, an option, something different for going into these playoff games. You know, so that's fantastic. And also catching COVID for the second time after being <laughs> jammed into a skanky Central Belt pub um, before an ICT game and uh, falling on the next couple of days. That's a, I'm blaming the Norsemen for that. For my well, that, seg- that segues nice, nicely into mine. Uh, I was going to say my, which is the Norsemen. Uh, but the, I'd say apart from the first 20, 25 minutes against Hamilton in the last game, I thought the tempo of the first 25 minutes against Ayr was amongst the best we played this season. And I think the tempo in that 20-25 minutes at air was actually similar to the performance we got in the first half hour last night. So it was, yeah. it was interesting to yeah. see that performance levels being replicated because we've not seen that a lot this season. So I'm really hoping that we can take that into the into at least one of the legs against Park Thistle and, and really go at them uh, for the first half an hour. But yeah, talk about the Norsemen. Um, you, all, you all left uh, when we were down in Greenock. And uh, I went back to the Norseman, nobody was there. So I had a chat with a few Cali fans that I know. And then I said, like, oh, who's at that table over there? And it's uh, Arbroath midfield dynamo, Nicky Lowe. And uh, I, see, I think I slagged Nicky Lowe off on this pod in the past and said he was rubbish. So obviously I didn't say that to him when we met, but uh, really nice <laughs> really nice chap. And he was sinking the pints, you know? Third a professional, I don't know. I don't know if that's sanctioned by Big Dick or not, but he was sinking the pints and he was very complimentary about um, Cali Thistle in terms of the football that we play so very nice job yeah, yeah, we, we, we certainly met the array of championship superstars over the last like few days having um, met, bumped into a few Queens players after the game um, in McDonald's which maybe says a lot about their current plight in the league but there you go yep. it's and a bit of an eye opener isn't it about uh, how championship players actually live you know yeah. McDonald's yeah. and the Norsemen and and, and who can forget, when this pod will have gone out, we'll, we'll have used the image of this to promote it, but who can forget our uh, our um, meeting with uh, Ian McCall earlier, a few weeks yes. ago. Yes. Outside Palmerston, smoking a fag. Yeah, he looked a bit like, like some kind of like um, scheme rat, basically, um, in <laughs> tracky bottoms and that smoking a fag. And looked like he was actually checking out the hubcaps of some of the cars parked outside Palmerston. I thought he was actually trying to break in. I was going to alert the stewards. But yeah, he to turns out he's, actually, his, he's, he's actually a football manager. Uh, he had to admire, admire his commitment to um, uh, Partick Thistle leisure gear, uh, dressed as he was entirely in, in club, <laughs> club attire, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm glad yeah. to hear that he's not changed because I'm sure I mentioned in the very first podcast we ever recorded that I'd walked past him that morning in Mary Hall Road having a pint at 1pm outside the Elephant and Bugle, you know, so it's good to know that four <laughs> years on he's still he's still living the high life. You know? oh, he's definitely a character. <laughs> uh, more about Ian McCall later on, um, game by game. Right, game by game, so the last game is uh, Hamilton home, the 4-0 win. I'm going to ask you one question, guys, I'm just going to answer this for me, right? Tom Walsh, where have you been? Not getting enough minutes, I would say. 
I think he's been really, really <clears throat> eager to get on recently. And for whatever reason, Billy Dodds has kind of gone with his more recent January signings. I'm also tempted to be the last sub to get on. I think finally he's been given his chance and he took it brilliantly last night. So I think you need to remember with Walsh though is that he was playing for us at the start of the season where we had our huge run from at the start of the season, but he was playing right midfield. And obviously now Shane Sutherland's kind of adapted to play right midfield. So, and, and he's playing well there. So there's no chance of Walsh getting a look in, in, in at least in that position in the team. So, I mean, obviously he can play on both wings anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's coming from some, for some harsh criticism this season, to be perfectly honest. He's yeah. definitely not kind of been as productive as he, as he has been in uh, his previous spell with us. But I don't know. I think I'd like to see him get more game time, but I, I can see at the same time why he's not been playing. Um, because Chalmers, Sutherland on the left and right, as it's tended to be the last couple of weeks anyway, have been a better fit for us. So obviously this pod, everything's going to be in the context framed by the Park Thistle games. The game time for the likes of Hyde and for, for Walsh and for Roddy McGregor coming back in, how well does that stand us in terms of the squad and the substitutions that we can make and if people get injured? you know, How well does that stand us for the two-party games, Andrew? Yeah, so if if you're going to me for that, um, well, I think it stands as an excellent stead. I mean, we'll come to this later when we talk about the games in more detail, like our predictions for the games. But I genuinely think Billy Dawes has probably got a harder decision to make about his his starting lineup than he probably thought he would ahead of the last couple of games. Um, and even if he goes with what I think he's going to go with, and I won't ex- I won't see what that is yet. I think um, he knows that he's got players like same same McGregor and Walsh, for example, starting the bench. Then he's got players that can do something different, can do something out of nothing, um, that have also got a reasonable amount of experience at this sort of level, and that haven't really dipped in performance the way that apparently some of the Thistle players have. I think if you take a Thistle player like Cammy Smith, for example, who's been pretty rotten all season, I don't think either of those players have, have kind of dipped those sort of plumbed those sort of depths. So I think that possibly we've got more options and more genuine competition for games than um, than Partick do. Do you think he's got a few decisions to make? Do you think that actually gives him food for thought that that game? Definitely, definitely. Um, I'm not so sure. I think I think Dodds is probably relatively settled in most of his starting eleven now. I think last what was key about last night was getting through it without any injuries. Um, obviously, Duffy's gone off with some kind of knock. I don't think we know yet what that is. Um, but also just trying to keep some of the players ticking over. I mean, I guess I mean I was a little bit surprised when Mark Lear came on when we were you know four 0 up. Um, to be honest, I'd rather just bring one of the young team on or someone who works in the pie stalls, to be perfectly honest, for a game of football rather than bringing like, someone like McAleer. But I guess even though we've still got a few days before the game, you probably still want to keep them ticking over nicely so they're not a little bit rusty going into it. Um, but I, I would imagine Dodds has got a fairly good idea of probably about maybe seven, eight, nine yeah. of the starting 11 he's likely to pick for Partick Thistle. I, I mean, whilst Walsh's performance was obviously impressive last night, I don't think he. I'd, I'd be surprised if he suddenly found himself in the starting eleven, barring any injuries that may come up over the next couple of days. Um, Do you think I that think was why uh, Billy Mackay started? I think Billy Mackay said, "Listen, Gaffer, I need to keep the old legs ticking over. Give me forty-five. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Um, I mean, we, I mean, we're we're not like you know, we're not like a Man United Chelsea. You've got like a massive squad and can bring in you know a massive load of reserve players and that so I mean maybe some of us myself included had unrealistic expectations as to what kind of lineup we'd have last night I mean I was initially quite surprised at the number of first team players that were featuring it but you know who else could be realistically brought in yeah I I, I thought um, and we talked about him in pre-season well it's obviously seen, well, it seems very much of him but this is the first game that 
uh, Hyde has started in central midfield, which is his position, mm. and he looked absolutely assured, really, really yeah. confident, used the ball brilliantly. The goal, I think it's um, Walsh's second. I think he starts that move with a sort mm. of blind, blind reverse pass to Roddy, who pops it into mm. Shane. And then Shane plays the ball through. But I thought it was absolutely fantastic. What did you think of his performance, guys? I, I, th- I thought it was really good. And what I liked most about it, and, and it was the same with Roddy as well, was, was his kind of willingness to get on the ball. <clears throat> there was, I mean, it was a comment I've, I've made in my notes about, about McGregor, but the same kind of applies to Hyde as well. But there was one point, I think, you know, McGregor was kind of like dropping really deep and, and demanding the ball off, um, you know, like Dees or earlier on Duffy when he was on the pitch. And, you know, he was wanting the ball and he was happy to like pivot just in front of the penalty area and turn and launch an attack. You know, the, the, these guys are not scared. They wanted the ball. Um, having said that, I would have been a bit scared when um, I think earlier on in the game, I think Hyde misplaced a pass and he got an absolute bollocking off David Carson. So that probably would have terrified me, to be honest. But he acted well to it. And, you know, I, I thought he was superb. He also filled in, don't forget, for a little bit, um, I think after Duffy went off, he played centre back for a few minutes in that, yep. um, and he didn't look phased by that at all. You know, um, I, I was really impressed with the guy. Um, I'm, I'm not one of these people that's like, you know, if the players aren't playing well, throwing the kids and stuff. You know, that's just it seems a bit of an overreaction, really. But when you see players like that, you know, like Hyde coming in and doing well, you think, well, actually, yeah. maybe it would be a terrible idea sometimes. He's got physique and he's also got skill, and and I think mm. his his mum listens to the pod, so she'll be delighted. Yeah. <laughs> Um, going back to something you said about being surprised that there weren't more changes, I don't know if this was really in Billy Dodd's mind, but one of the reasons that I probably did play well, you know, or was able to show how good he can be, is that he was playing alongside a fair proportion of regular first-team starters. I think yeah. sometimes when you see a whole bunch of young boys thrown into a team and there's maybe only three or four regulars, you maybe won't see the best of them because they don't have that sense of having a more experienced kind of core of players around them. So it probably was a really, really good sort of lineup for him to... Um, he was given responsibility. He was playing a really kind of um, pivotal role in the centre of the park. And yet he had players like, you know, as you say, Karsten around him, you know, D's behind him, you know, Billy Mackay ahead of him, even McGregor, who's got a bit of experience now. So it just meant that he wasn't probably feeling... I don't know that he was surrounded by players who might be feeling potentially out of their depth, you know. So I think yeah. it probably was a very, very good sort of um, balance of um, of players for him to kind of like um, make that first start among, you know. I really liked that we carried the ball forward. There was a point in the tenth minute or so when he kind of broke through really well, and I thought that was really promising to see him do that, you know, early on. You know? What about we, we Joe Hardy boy up front? Uh, first senior career goal, twenty three years old. That's a long time to wait to score your first essentially professional goal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we saw against, I think it was, was it Thistle away, actually, um, in that, yeah. that horrible, I mean, he, he had a really good game, I think, there, you know, um, showed some really nice touches, a lot of skill. I still, yeah, I think, Moff, you were saying um, last week in the Norseman, you were kind of saying that you thought, he's definitely a footballer, but we just don't know if he's a footballer at this level or not. You know, you can see he's got skill, you can see he's got intelligence, but whether or not he's got the kind of, the presence or, or whatever to just be able to, to do at this level, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think he's, he's potentially a good option. Yeah, I think that that'd be the only concern I maybe have going into these playoffs, and that is, you know, Billy McKay's your guaranteed striker. Shane was probably your second choice, although now he's found a home for himself in the right wing. But Hardy and Samuels, I mean, they look like they may be useful, but I've not seen enough to make me feel confident that if something was to happen to Billy McKay or we were chasing a game, that we could get something by bringing one of those guys on a lot of the time. I really want them to prove me wrong, but. At this moment in time, I'm not feeling it too much with them. Well, it's good that the goals are coming from elsewhere other than strikers, then, isn't it? Because McAleer's been hitting them in, Roddy's 
um, scored uh, away to Morton. If we can move on from Hamilton, um, this was a fairly uninspiring win at Capolo. It was pretty even in possession. I actually thought we would have seen more fight from Morton, but maybe they were almost they were almost free and clear by that point. So maybe they didn't they didn't get the kick at the backside that they needed. I don't know. Um, but like you talked about earlier, Andrew, it was great to see Roddy back in the team and finding the net. That was the first time that I think Roddy's had played a full game since October, since his injury. So it was good, you know, as, as we said, going into, the, you know, heading towards the playoffs, but have another good midfield option, getting some real game time. And you, I mean, you, you, you kind of forget how good a player he is, you know, when you've, when you've maybe seen, spent most of the season watching um, Allardyce, Welsh, McAleer um, being a fixture in the centre. Um, but, you know, we're saying to like some pals at the game last night, when a couple of seasons ago, I would argue that he was playing consistently better than Danny Mackay before Danny McKay got his move to Hibs. But Danny McKay just hit that kind of, you know, that real peak. You know, the goal against Ross County and other strikes as well that kind of elevated him above Rory McGregor, albeit briefly. You know, the guy's only, what, 20? Something like that? You know, and he's, he's, he looks like a, a proper player. Like, he's been playing with us for years, and I suppose he has, really, but he looks like he's been a first-team regular for God knows how long. You, you forget how good a player that um, Rory McGregor actually is. Do you think that he could be a difference-maker in the party games? Yeah, quite possibly. He could be a match winner. Yeah, because I mean, the, the good thing about McGregor is he seems equally comfortable kind of playing maybe a kind of a slightly deep, deeper line midfield role. Equally, you, you can push him forward and play him as a 10. You know, he's, he's really composed in the ball. He's got a really good touch. He's got a decent eye for a pass. I wouldn't advocate playing him right midfield as he's, as Dodds has done a couple of times this season. I think that's a complete waste of his talents. Yeah. He just drifts inside all the time. And we don't really have the overlapping right fullback to, you know, maybe compensate for that. But yeah, you know, play, play him in the centre and just just give him that option to just kind of you know run box to box. If yeah, you want. but even if he doesn't start in in the first game, you know he can come off the bench to change the tempo uh, and can be a threat in the box. I and he can also change it in the second game, perhaps if he want to be more adventurous. Um, yeah, I, I, I get somebody also, that can someone can run beyond Mc, uh, Billy McKay. Yeah, I think also with the games coming thick and fast. We're going to have to rotate a little bit potentially, so mm. you know that, that 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 that's where having you know a decent amount of strength and depth in the centre of the park could could be quite helpful to us. Cool. What about the Queens game? Um, they've been relegated, and we managed we managed to lose to them. Uh, this one was uh, it was the we were I think well I was one of a uh, few it was me and yourself wasn't it few um, yep. fans <clears throat> that actually went to this one. Uh, obviously, we're better geographically located to, to get to the game but um, mm-hmm. uh, we got to the game and there was hardly anyone there and might as well have not gone because it was just a terrible terrible performance wasn't it um, one thing that did strike me though was even though we lost to the worst team in the league players are coming off the pitch and we're still applauding them you know because it almost is just like well we're sort of we've got third anyway haven't we so we don't really want to get on their case too much Shout out by the way for the Queen of the South um, stream which I was watching I was the only one that didn't make it and it was just fucking awful. I think I saw about 20 <laughs> minutes of uh, of the whole game and the rest of it was just this kind of um, spiralling, you know, um, buffering symbol. Um, what I saw, we looked absolutely dreadful. But, I mean, you said they'd been they'd been relegated. They, they hadn't actually been relegated at that point. They still had a chance of staying up. So it's yeah, not that yeah. surprising, I think, that, that they were more up for it, you know. The one thing, I suppose, that comes out of it is just what Chalmers can do, you know, uh, pulling goals like that out of nowhere. And I think, actually, we've got two or three players that can do that in the team, which is more than most. You know, Chalmers can score goals like that. McAleer scored a few like that. Roddy McGregor yeah. can do that as well. And that, again, could be the sort of thing that, that could make the difference in a tight playoff game. Yeah. I mean, I've got the highlight down as meeting Rudy Payton and Ewan East and McDonald's afterwards and trying to convince Ewan East to sign for us 
And then like the following game, he scored a goal and scored an own goal that basically relegated his team. So. That's right, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's look at the killer game. This is probably, you know, if, if we are going to go any distance in the playoffs, then this is the sort of performance that we need to have against. Um, if, if we did meet St Johnston, St Johnston, certainly against our broth. Billy and Chalmers with the goals. How significant was it that we've not only come from behind, but we've beaten the league champions again and... Do you think that that gives the players the confidence that, yes, we can beat any team in the playoffs? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, one of the problems with Kelly is that I think their manager is very, very cautious. Like, with, with, um, the start of the season, they weren't really a team. They hadn't really gelled. Um, they had quite a lot of players that looked good in paper, but actually weren't really doing it. Uh, and quite a few of them got binned. Um I think Derek McInnes has probably got a bit more coherence and he also had more signings, but he's he's a cautious, cautious manager. You know, um, his teams don't start particularly fast. They don't kind of kill off games. They tend to sit on what they've got. And that's exactly what happened um, here. But the fact that it's it's not just that we came from behind, it's the fact that this is the third time we've beaten them. You know, them yeah. with their, their bigger spend, with their more premiership experienced players. You could look at that squad arguably and say it's as good as the St. Johnson squad and St. Johnson, the team we're led to be playing. So these, yeah. you know, the fact that our it. players are thinking we're the equal and potentially the better of these players on form means that they're going to go into that game and think they can do really well. Shout out, by the way, I forgot about this game to Billy Dodds for the substitutions and for, yeah. you know, bringing Carson on. It's funny, isn't it? Because yeah. we've obviously castigated them and a lot of people have online for his decisions throughout the season, especially in that 11-game streak. But um you can you can almost see his development as a manager, can't you? Yeah. You can see the decision making changing. You can see, well, I've learned from that. We're going to do that, or we're going to do this. You know, it's really really interesting and fantastic to see. I, I thought it was interesting. It was like, hey, why they're just basically dancing around the fact that McInnes is a shite bag. Like he's he's not cautious. <laughs> he's just an absolute shite bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, like K- Kelly weren't scoring in that game until Broadfoot's header. You know, I, I did not feel at any time that I feel threatened by them. Um, I, I was unfortunately, you know, struck down by COVID, so I was watching this on the BBC, and you know, I, I was raging with that mistake because I just didn't see them scoring at all. And, and the weird thing is, Broadfoot had played quite well. He, you know, mm-hmm. completely subdued Kyle Lafferty, um, who doesn't score that many goals away from home anyway. To be fair, but um, yeah, I mean, f- full credit to Dodds. You know, br- bringing Carson on, you know, was 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 a game changer. But I would also argue, so, so was bringing Doran on. And oh yeah, yeah. Doran maybe didn't have too much of an influence on the game, but what I would say is that he came on for Samuels, I think it was, and I, I, I don't want to continually rinse on a particular player in that, but, but Samuels' first touch is really not that good, whereas Doran has got good um, control um, and you know he links the play well. And I just think that, that gave us a lot more kind of attacking impetus. Yeah. And you, know, you, you, you could see that we, we've been on top for most of the game, I would argue, and then Kelly scored, but then after those changes, we kind of like you know regained the ascendancy, and 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 well, so we, we got those two goals. Um, and and I think I noticed actually just watching the highlights back a wee while ago was Chalmers could so easily have let that ball just like you know skid under his boot that, that you know the cross comes in. I think it's from Welsh. The cross comes in, and Stephen McGinn heads it on, and I think I think it's like Ash Taylor or some of that is jumping as well. So. Chalmers might not even see that ball until it's too late and it could go flying under his boot, but what a touch to kill it. And um, it's a bit of a squaff for the winner, but who cares? You know, I, I was I was off the couch and then on the floor coughing and spluttering, but that, that was a superb win. Um, massive credit to the players and massive credit to Billy Dodds as well. Is he out of contract next season, Chalmers? Chalmers is out of contract in 2024, apparently. Ah, that's unfortunate, right. isn't it? Well, we're, not, we're not paying we're, a fee for him, are we? So. 
Robbo will have to open the biscuit tin. Nah, it's not happening. That's unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> oh dear. Air, 2-2 draw, outstanding first 25 minutes. Uh, they're on top for the last 20 of the first half. We still don't uh, change anything and we end up dropping points. Uh, this was a bit of a, a frustrating afternoon in, uh, in Ayrshire, was it not? Totally. I mean, the first half an hour was brilliant. I think Moff, you and I were kind of sitting sitting together and kind of like totally purring over it. Oh. And then you just, it just it, it was that sort of thing that seems to have happened too many times this season when the foot comes up, but it's like we don't quite know how to kind of like maintain that kind of dominance in a game. Um, and you see, as you say, the tide start to turn before half time. There are a couple of other factors. So, I mean, we lost Doran at half time. And I think that made a difference because Doran was really influential in that game early on. And um, Air also, you could argue, made it easy for us because I think they started with entirely the wrong team. And when they brought on Adeloy at halftime, he made a huge difference. Mm. I, can't, I can't believe that they didn't start with him. Um, and you could even argue that, you know, maybe we were unlucky because we were, you know, we denied, I think, a pretty clear penalty, you know, McGinty, Trip, Mackay. But I actually see over the course of the last, you know, the last hour of that game and certainly the last 45 minutes, Air were, were, were comfortably the better team. Um, and again, maybe a team that were just a little bit more up for it. I think we already thought we had the playoffs, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it's just frustrating um, that I think when a team just like absolutely goes at us, especially when we're actually leading, then sometimes we, you know, we seem to not know what, what, what to do, how to cope with it. And congratulations to Air who have managed to stay up. So more trips to Somerset next season if we stay in this league. And Dunfermline are in the are in the playoffs. Um, how do you just quick? I don't have this in my plan, but how how do you think Yogi will get on in the playoffs? His um, track record is not great, is it? it was no. yeah, the playoffs he went down with Wraith, wasn't it? Um, a few a couple of our ex players getting absolutely oh, shot. Chalmers, did you see that own goal by Chalmers? Um, and and I saw I saw online because I think he was on loan from Air or maybe they bought him. They bought uh, him from air. And it, they and it, paid money from air. And air, uh, air fan said that's the first good thing he's done for air. Yeah, season. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. getting absolutely hammered as well. Um, Donaldson, by all accounts, has actually been you know pretty good for them, and their, and their fans kind of want him back. Um, is it funny that all, all these players are players that are really good for us, and you know yeah. we we you know shouted from the rooftops you that's know, the ICT way though isn't it I mean we've so many players like that you know? but you would like yeah. if they were playing for us you'd think oh these are great players you know, they'll do well for us but yet they're in second bottom in the league it's unbelievable mm, I don't yeah. know there was, there was always a bit of Emperor's new close about Chalmers he had, a, he had about half a good season for us yeah. once yeah. he was shite the rest of the time yeah. that's a good way good way to finish that section Chalmers shite Joe Chalmers not Logan yeah. you got no soul you rubber bumpers Partick Thistle, who are Partick Thistle? Are they Alkies or aristocrats, stylish or slobbish? Bit of both probably. Um, a former Premier League team slumming it in League One last season. An unstoppable backline earlier this season. And then they just picked up seven points out of 24 before stumbling their way into the playoffs by virtue of Wraith Rovers inflicting more self-harm than a Tory MP looking at tractors on his phone. Um, we talked to Partick fan and blogger Mark Wallace. Right, Mark Wallace, uh, Partick Thistle fan, uh, podcaster, blogger, extraordinaire. Uh, you're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs by virtue of you finished uh, fourth on, is it 52 points? And we have obviously finished yeah. third on um, 59. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I must admit, 
I'm not really sure what to expect going into this because we've been limping for quite some time. Even yeah. the even the game that uh, when we beat you at Fur Hill on the Friday night, it was very laboured. And that was at a time when we had looked like we were getting a really good bit of momentum and it looked like we might actually challenge Kelly and our growth at the top end. But it's just completely gone to pop from there. I don't know why. I wouldn't say I would say more cautiously optimistic than optimistically cautious, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, the, the four, there's been four games between us this season, I think. There's a 3-1 win for us, a 0-0 draw, 3-3 draw and a 1-0 loss. So it's pretty much all square. And you don't seem to, other than your, obviously your game, um, your last league game in the season, you don't seem to have conceded a lot of goals. Do you think it's going to be a pretty tight affair in both matches? Actually, th- I think it'll be a very interesting game because you clearly had a wee bit of a, a blip yourselves going to be well without winning a game under Billy Dodds and then all of the the flamboyant attacking stuff that propelled you up the top of the league at the beginning of the season came back. Whereas, like, ours, we've been winning games, like, after our little, like, dip, but we haven't found the the three-goal scoring form that we had for a long time. Although we've always, like you said, been tight at the back, apart from, like, the air game yesterday, although... I think that was a bit of... We've had a few games that are a bit of an outlier on that. We, I've only conceded three or more goals like three times, three, four times this season. There's the two games against you lot, um, a 3-1 defeat to our broth. So that's three. Um, and then the 4-0 defeat to Hamilton and the 3-1 defeat to Ayers. Five, five games out of 36. And we've still, and we've still only conceded something like 40 goals yeah so like it's not hardly a leaky defense but we've gone from keeping nine ten clean sheets in a row in all competitions to uh barely being able to keep things out so there's a lot of things at play we've had a lot of injuries we've had covid outbreaks there's a lot of that being there's a lot of that being down to your goalkeeper Snedden's been very good. Snedden, to, to his credit, he gets he has had a, a bit of stick from Thistle fans because he's he hasn't the finished article. He's only 23. He's 23-24, so there's plenty of time for him. But I feel like he has been exceptionally good, but he has had his uh, moments where he's cost us, particularly the game... Uh, up at Cali in uh, September where he went walkabout for Shane Sutherland's goal and he was particularly poor for the for air second goal uh, last night as well. He's prone to that but he's largely been solid. Like if he'd kept a clean sheet in um, that game last night it would have been 19 clean sheets in the season mm-hmm. for him out of 36 games. So like, it's still not bad far from it what about at the other end of the park Brian Graham he's hit I think 10 no 13 league goals for you this season um, is he is he fit going into this are we expecting the uh, usual as far as I'm aware he is um, our attack has t- our attack took a massive hit when Rudden left I thought it was a poorly advised move but that's besides the point but it's, it's ultimately taken away from us 
um, what made us such a good attacking um, side going forward because Rudden would be able to occupy it and that would allow Tiffany to just run riot mm-hmm. uh, and Graham to run riot. Other guy, like other guys, have scored goals for us this season, but the Rudden, Tiffany, and Graham were the reason why we were looking at maybe if things were a wee bit different. We could have been challenging yeah. for top spot, but when that gets taken, when that gets taken away from you, the way it was, the way it did, um, there was never any really recovering from that. What about uh, you mentioned Tiffany there? Whenever we we played you, he's he's the danger man, you know the winger. Um, is but I'm looking at assists and I think he's only got five assists this season. But Kyle Turner is leading the league with nine. Is Kyle Turner actually the is he the main man in the midfield or in the park for you guys? I have no idea what Kyle, what Kyle Turner has been in and out the side um, this season, um, mainly because of the form of like Bannigan and Doherty in the middle of the park, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, we brought in Robbie Crawford, which I thought was a bad idea. I think Robbie Crawford's far from what we need. Like, and so Turner would primarily play in that sort of role that Doherty plays just now. Uh, or now we play basically a four-three-three, but with two defensive midfielders, and like so, Bannigan and Doherty will sit, and it will be Turner at the sort of. Head of that triangle now in the middle. So do you think he'll do you think he'll operate this four three three for Hill on Tuesday? I can see it if uh, if Turner's fit. He went off injured on uh, he went off injured yesterday, which is another really big Good. disappointment. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, we have limped into the playoffs, but quite frankly, yeah. we probably could have finished yeah. second or third if things were a bit better. Yeah, you could. Well, r- run us through. Um, Quickly, Mark, what do you think the starting eleven is going to be for Firhill? Um, and then we'll um, on to the second. I don't week. see any. I don't foresee any change in goalkeeper. Snedden's locked in. Uh, fullback probably will have Kieran McKenna in the right and Richard Foster <laughs> maybe on the left. I don't know. I don't know if Richard Foster will play for the club again. Uh, after this is uh, for, uh, for anyone. Uh, for anyone listening, um, he started on a fan in the in the terraces at uh, Somerset, didn't he? Yes, he did. Um, I don't know what was said. the The chat I had heard initially was it was something that was nothing to do with football. It was aimed at him, so I can completely understand. I completely understand if that's been the case. But if it's not, then yeah, yeah, uh, not good. Uh, if, if Foster doesn't play at left back, Kevin Holt will probably come in there. Yep. Uh, or Stephen Hendry, and then May- Lewis Mayo and Tunji Akinola will probably play there. Or maybe Mayo will play. Um, with Turner being out, we might push Mayo into sort of holding midfield, and then it will be Holt at left back, Holt at left centre back, with Akinola and Hen- Stephen Hendry coming on. To left back, Foster's a bit better at full back because he's he's obviously played there, but he is thirty six. Whereas McKenna's just no quick enough to get up and down. Whereas Foster's smarter at playing that position defensively. Mm-hmm. But that and itself leaves us a bit buggered uh, attack wise because we can't get the full backs high up the park, and it leaves us liable to getting pinned in very easily. It allows us to be pin, uh, pinned back very easily, and teams can uh, put immense pressure on us particularly um, against Queen of the South and Morton, 
they spent a large spell, uh, large swathes of the, the game in those two games at Hill. We won the Queen of the South game, but we lost the Norton one, where we were really just penned in for a good solid 15, 20 minutes and could barely get out because our fullbacks were just unable to get the ball up the park and facilitate the attacking movement and uh, the, mid- the midfield were, were just left having to be, be very narrow and it just left us in a bit of a, a bit of a sticky situation really. What about the midfield then? Is that going to be Doherty, Bannigan and uh, Mayo? Possibly Mayo, uh, ho- hopefully not Crawford. Uh, but I'll probably if Turner play, it'll be Turner, Bannigan, and Mayo. Yeah. Uh, Turner, Bannigan, and uh, Doherty. If Turner's fit, if not, it'll probably be Mayo. Okay. Uh, slip, slipping in there, and then that leaves is the, the real sort of conundrum is who's going to play at centre half. Akinola went was off like a train at the start, and now he's got totally bereft of confidence. It's a real shame because he was looking like a genuine role voice yeah. of a player. Yeah, what good. For a lot for the longest possible time, and now it's just totally gone to pot for him, and I feel for him. But he's probably just going to have to play his way back into form. Yeah. So it will be Brian Graham up front, and it's what what flank will Tiffany play on, and who is the final? Who will be the final piece of the jigsaw? I, would be, I imagine we'll be trying to go for a very physical, direct approach. To be honest, I don't think there'll be much. Um, that's that's all you can do on your, on your pitch, isn't it? With the state of your pitch. Well, the pitch, the pitch is a, the pitch is a bit better now. Is it? But uh, nowhere near what it should be. So who who else? Sorry, what was the final uh, starter? Who's playing on the right? Uh, I'll probably it'll probably be. Ooh, this is a tough one. Probably Cammy Smith or something. Probably Cammy Smith. Right. Cammy Smith or Cammy Smith and Cammy Smith and Tiffany will be the the the, the wide players along with Graham. Uh, Cammy Smith's been a bit of a disappointing signing. I say a bit, a big bit of a disappointing signing. Hasn't really excited as much as when we got him. I think it's more to do with where he really wants to play. I think he, he sees himself more as a 10 and we've not really got the personnel to put him there. Do you think, yeah. let's go and get to, get to brass tacks. Do you think that you're going to win the first leg and do you think you can see yourself through to a game against uh, two playoffs against our broth? Uh, do I think we can do I think we can win the do I think I can win the first I think we can I think we could win the first leg but I don't know if we'll go through because I think you guys have hit form at the right time whereas we look completely lost. So you might go in with you might go in with a semblance of Right, we know where we are. We're playing well. Everybody's up for it. Whereas we are, like the the general mood among the the fans as well as the fans more so than the players is like we're like, how are we meant to get behind the team when they're playing like that? Mm-hmm. Like naturally, I'll be I'll be all full of piss and vinegar Tuesday and Friday night. I suppose if the t- Friday night if the tie's close, but. I feel like we can't. We can the, the, the two the two last results between the two sides would be enough for us to go through on aggregate. And like you're always like, oh, that's a sign. <laughs> well, to a degree, yeah, I think we can get through. Maybe, but we, we need to be a lot better um, against our growth. I don't fancy us at all. I don't see. To be honest, I think. It's our bros at Johnston. I think. I th- I just think there's 
there's something about how Arbros have uh, taken the defeat to Kilmarnock that I think will push them past either of our, of our sides. Right. That's certainly, I think, we are mentally weak. I don't know, you guys are in a much better state. I just, that's how I think. I think they're going to go close this year, Arbros, to promotion, whether it was um, purely... Uh, by finishing second in the league and losing the players or whatever, but I think they'll, I do think they'll get the better right. of uh, either certainly us or yourselves. Not what's, what's, what's your score predictions for Tuesday and Friday? Tuesday, Friday, I think uh, it'll be one-one or we'll win one-nil, and I think we'll get beat two-nil on Friday. Right, well, <laughs> I, I do, I do, I, I, I think we can't. We, we do. I was, expecting, I was expecting more confidence from you, actually. But fair enough. This, um, I do think we have it in us to win the uh, the tie for sure. But it's it's one of those where I'm like, this will not do. What like what's been going on will not do at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's far far from good enough. Far from good enough. We need to basically be an entirely new team, and I, I don't fancy our chances. To be honest, <laughs> we might we might we might sneak a win and then everybody will get all excited and then we'll go two 0 We'll go like one 0 down after like ten minutes on Friday and then I'll be like, oh. <laughs> well, that they've actually they've actually done that again. That'll do for us, Mark. FC. That'll do for us. Mark Wallace there, uh, a lot more pessimistic than I expected him to be, uh, which was music to my ears, to be honest. Uh, maybe that's a Partick trait, I don't know, but maybe he was just being bluntly honest. What do you think, guys? I think if you look at their form over the last couple of months, he's probably right to be pessimistic. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I, I was looking back at it, it's absolutely pitiful, you know. And if Wraith Rovers had anything about them at all, then there's no way Partick would be in with a shout, would have been in with a shout of the playoffs. Um, you know, at least we've managed to turn it around, whereas those two clubs, you know, are just, just absolutely nosedive. Um, one thing that I think is a wee bit kind of strange is the fact that he seems more confident of us winning in Inverness you know, but thinking that they'll kind of, um, you know, they'll, they'll keep it to a draw or potentially even a win at home. Because I think, I know obviously they'll have home advantage in terms of the crowds, but their pitch is just no good for anybody. Well, you know, it's compl- it's compl- it's it's it improved a little bit, but that mm, still doesn't okay. mean a lot, does it? Yeah. Whereas I actually think that our pitch suits Tiffany in particular because of the width of it. You know, he's caused us far more problems. Admittedly, he only played in one of the two away games, but um, he's caused us far more problems at home than he has at Fair Hill. Um, and I think that's partly to do with the width of the pitch. So I think, you know, our pitch actually suits them. You know, I, I think we've got as good a chance of winning away as we do at home, especially as their supporters are likely to get in their back, as we've already seen um, yesterday at air with young Mr Foster. Part of the team I'm always quite nervous about playing. I just feel like we've always got a pretty bad record against them but you know the, the, this season we've definitely had the, the better of things um you know so the, the 3-1 game early in the season where you know, it's probably our best 45 minutes of of the entire um season the 0-0 one which you know it was you know a joke we didn't win that and then even worse was when we actually lost 1-0 that late well wait a minute wait a minute andrew we're going to do that in our next section it's called head to head So we've heard from Mark, you've got the view from Firhill, but how have we fared against Park so far this season and what can we expect from these two matches? 
Mr. Andrew Young delved into the season's results, lineups, and goals in our four matches against the Maryhill Magyars. Do tell, Mr. Young. I suppose the first thing is, um, I think Sav had mentioned earlier that he felt that we'd had the better of things against them this season. And it feels like that. But actually, they're the only team in the top five that we don't have a winning record against. It's, it's actually five points apiece, say, a draw, a, um, two draws, and obviously a win apiece sort of thing. Um, and I'd probably argue that they're, they're actually the only team in the top five that ever at any point in games looked like potentially being able to kind of tear us apart. There were times, you know, in certainly the first half in the 3-1 game and times in that 3-all game when um, they were they were kind of really, really causing us problems and the defence kind of flapped in a way that we hadn't seen um, since, you know, in other games. But on the other hand, they can't sustain it for a whole game. I think they're even worse than us in terms of not being able to kind of play, uh, turn in a consistent performance for a whole game. So in that 3-1 game, obviously, we rode our luck a little bit when, um, you know, I think Ridgers um, pulled off a really good save. They, they missed a sitter in the first half, uh, towards the end of the first half, that would have made it 2-0. And then, but after that, we just were all over them in the second half. Um, the 0-0 game in October was absolutely outstanding. You know, I thought we were we were we were brilliant, and I can't believe that we actually didn't, um, you know, didn't take anything from that. There's a park supporter in Pine Bovril actually described it as um, the best football I saw all season. Your nil nil demolition of us at Fir Hill. So that game should have been the kind of difference. But then I think the three all game, you know, arguably we kind of got out of jail on that one a wee bit. I mean, there was really really poor defending from both sides. You know, um, again that was a game where at, at times we looked like you know Tiffany again just really, really, we, could, we couldn't cope with them at all. And then, ironically, the only game that Tiffany didn't play in was the only game we lost to them. Um, and we were outstanding in the second half. And that made changes at half-time. Absolutely fantastic. And yet, you know, we lose to a sucker punch in, in the 85th minute. So the games, I think the point about that is the games are absolutely impossible to call. You know, I think we are over the course of the season. We've proven ourselves to be a better team. I think we've got a lot bit more balance in the squad. I think, given what Mark's saying, we should go into his favourites because not only are we in better form, but we've probably got a cleaner bill of health injury wise. And yet, there's something about party that really, really scares me. You know, you were saying stuff that you don't think we've got a good record against him. You're absolutely right. Actually, I'd look at the historical figures. Played 43, won 14, drawn 12, lost 17, and we've only won five times out of 21 at Fair Hill. Really? You know, and I'm pretty sure that over that period, we've probably been the better team on paper in terms of higher league position or in a higher league than them more than we haven't been. So it's definitely a, a team where the the relative kind of league positions don't flip for them. They've got they've got something over us, and it's gonna you know I've, I've got it's horrible. I, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but this feeling that you know they could somehow up their game and all their players could kind of meet their potential for just long enough to beat us and then little to being complete shite against our growth because of the knockout nature of the games i know i know they're over two legs and i think i think that's what's got me a little bit kind of you know apprehensive i think you know as as ay said you know we have generally probably look the better team over most of the games even though the actual points we've collected maybe doesn't reflect that but I think the the one 0 game when Kevin Holt scored that late goal that shows the importance of you know having have been switched on at all points of the game. All it took was basically I think it was you know a combination of maybe D's or or maybe Divine or something. I think it was not picking up their man at a corner and suddenly had lost the game. Now in a league over a league campaign that's maybe not too big of an issue because you've got another thirty five games to sort it out. But you know in in this kind of you know playoff situation it could be curtains for us. 
Yeah. I suppose the one thing is that we we know about the threat that Tiffany carries, and if they've got Cammy Smith on the other side, I'm not, you don't want to kind of discount that. But I don't think it's going to cause us many problems. But if we've got if Tiffany starts on the left for them, we'll have Sutherland and Carson doubling up on them, and that's a pretty that, that's quite a formidable sort of um, sort of. I mean, I, I know he's got he's got them both for pace. But they're both pretty strong. They're both pretty powerful, you know. So I yeah, think you know, we might we might be able to kind of nullify them. Looking at the party games, the only start that stood out for me really, other than everything you just talked about, AY, was that um, Broadfoot's actually scored against them twice, which is interesting for a team that's quite physical and has quite a good backline. He scored against them twice. Shane scored against them twice as well, but Shane's obviously scored against everybody. So mm. play Broadfoot up front then. Get him up there. Yeah, we have, done, we have done that. We have done that a few times, haven't we? For McDonald, up the castle, Liberty's men, Weechie's hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's pizzas, Judas City, Farland Park, the library, Spectrum Center, Molly Story, Cali Central, the Golden Mile, Music Center, Matalang. Okay, the Premiership playoffs were first introduced in season 13 14, with second place uh, finished Hamilton triumphing over Teddy Butcher's 11th place. Premiership Hibs on penalties after their two legs finished all square. So, are the playoffs skewed in favour of the Premiership side? Does the second place Championship side always triumph over the third or fourth? And just how many or how much chances does a team have of playing six matches in quick succession and going up to the promised land? Andrew Sutherland has endeavoured to find out. Yeah, so I've had a look basically back and it doesn't make good reading for, you know, fans of Inverness or Park Thistle. Um, so in all the times that there's been playoffs um, from the championship up to the playoff, uh, up to the premiership, sorry, um, apart from the COVID season of 2019-20, the only teams that have ever been successful in either, you know, avoiding relegation or getting promoted have been has been the team finishing 11th or the team finishing second. Uh, the teams finishing third and fourth have never been promoted. Um, in the first season, the playoffs, you had Aki's obviously with a famous win over Hibs, which was, you know, hilarious. Get it right up your butcher. Um, Motherwell, Killy and Hamilton again all defeated championship opposition in the playoff finals the following seasons. Livy then beat uh, Partick yeah, the season after. St Mirren stayed up after beating Dundee United. We then had the COVID season, and then obviously last year, uh, Dundee somehow managed to get past uh, Kilmarnock uh, to get promoted. So, yeah, if you're finishing third or fourth, it does seem to look like those extra couple of games you play really do count against you. Um, so, based on history, doesn't look good for us, but who's to say that couldn't change this year, maybe? Um, you know, I think uh, we've got a easily a good chance against Partick, um, as we're ever going to. Our broth. Yeah, why not? I think we could beat them. And surely Sean Rooney and Jamie McCart will do us a favour when we play St Johnson in the final. What an, what an indictment of the system, though, that no third or fourth place team has ever gone up. We're looking at nearly a decade of the playoffs. What an indictment. Why is it a different system for this, for essentially the journey to the Premiership as opposed to the journey to the, the Championship? Because the firm will go straight into the playoffs with um, yeah. the League One teams, won't they? It's, it, it's, it mainly seems to be down to just kind of allowing the Premiership to still keep the split because they're obviously still playing when we play Partick Thistle over, you know, like the, the two legs and then obviously our growth and that. The Premiership team is still playing. So they're, they're still playing games as, as we're playing our ones. I don't like it. I think it should be consistent throughout all the leagues, um, all, all the divisions, to be honest. But that's essentially why, whereas our season is now wrapped up. The Premiership's still got another kind of was it three games, four games to play. 
Mm-hmm. So just while we're kind of ticking what, over... What about, what about Barry Wilson suggesting that fourth shouldn't actually get uh, a, a playoff spot? And you're essentially finishing mid-table. Barry talked about this last week in a, in a post-match, but it was a presser. And um, so what he's suggesting is it should just be second v third and the winner of that place, which will be St Johnston. I suppose they're saying it's, it, it gives more teams more to play for. You know, fewer dead rubbers towards the end of a season and that'll be the argument for it. The other mm-hmm. argument, by the way, although it doesn't actually quite work in terms of the arithmetic, the other argument for the teams playing more games than the Premiership team is because the Premiership have 38 games a season and we have 36. Um, but actually, when you look at all that, if you're a third or fourth place team, yeah. then you end up playing, what's it, 40 or you something play a game, like You play a game more. Game. I think you end up playing yeah. a game more. Yeah. So, um, so, there, so there's that. Um, whereas actually, I think if it was just third v second, then that would work exactly because you just have the one round of championship playoffs or yeah. the two championship playoff yeah. games and then the final. So that, that would actually be in ter- in that, from that argument, it would be the fairest point. Um, You've also got point. another, I think it's, is it 10 days, seven to 10 days um, layoff that our broth will have over us? So they will have that, that I know they're, you're saying they're part time to an extent, but they will have that rest time that we don't have. But then they'll say that's the reward for being better and doing better, and which is also the argument when you say, well, it's a real indictment that third and fourth have never gone up. The powers that be can turn around and say, well, that just reflects the fact that the third and fourth teams weren't as good as the second place. But if you go no. into this, what is essentially sort of a round-robin type tournament, then surely it should be a level playing field for everybody. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate there and saying that's the argument they would make. You know, but I agree with you. It should be level. Uh, you know, it's obviously good that these games are being you know put on TV and stuff. But you know, I mean, none of these are on a on a Saturday or or even a Sunday. I mean, I know was it last season they had the was it the playoff final second leg on a Monday, but you know, even so, you yeah. know, you're basically you're, you're playing games on what Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. That's garbage yeah. for, for for supporters, really. Um, yeah, if you look at ourselves, we've been out of the top league for. What, six seasons is it now um, you know it's, it's a long time for a club that was a perennial Premier League club to be down there you know so after the, the, this horrible six seasons you would want to go up and you want to celebrate but you know we've been doing that say we did it we beat St Johnston because they're second bottom 31 points they're in 10th 39 then we do that on a Monday night our both mm. never been in this position before could be in top league and the second leg which will be a McDermott is a Monday night. It's no provision for supporters whatsoever. It's absolutely bamboozling. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not, not a fan of that at all. I mean, f- football is something you should be at with your, your, your pals or your family or whatever. You know, not, not, not really if you can help it sitting at home watched on TV. I, I get that that's, you know, more appealing to some folk and that's totally fine. But for me, you know, I'd far rather be at a game. Um, so that puts up a lot of challenges for me being able to get to, you know, these playoffs. Obviously, depending on how far we get through them, but yeah, I can see myself, you know, missing, you know, if, if we got all the way, I could see myself missing probably half the games, to be honest. And the players yeah. would far rather the supporters were in the ground as well, obviously. You know, yeah, it's exactly. a big difference for them. Exactly. All right, well, Billy Dodds is going to be coming up next and he'll talk a little bit about supporters as well. Where do you want to drink? Well, 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 the Glen Alpins, the Sicilian, the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Tavern, Cupcus Jocksters, Dimes of Gallons, the City Bar, number 27, Phoenix Slaughters, Love to Love, King Exchange, and Mambo's Hush, Heepies, Jeepies, Gunnies, Rileys, Burgies, Kilmore, Hoop, and Annies. Two legs are better than one or none. On to the games. This is the feature I'm calling Two Legs Are Better Than One or None, unless you're Stephen Hawking. So let's hear from the manager in his latest interview at time of recording, which was after the, the Hamilton game, and this is with the ICT media team and uh, Liam. 
Brilliant. Uh, I'm thrilled with the performance because I got everything I wanted out tonight in terms of getting boys minutes who need minutes because they're all going to be required in these playoffs hopefully um, getting my team prepared mentally and physically to get them in the right place with the playoffs coming up and you can't get a better result than that this has been a, a squad game and I think they've shown that with subs coming on over the last couple of months playing their part they all want to be on the team um, that's exactly what I required going into the playoffs now they've got to be at it focused mentally as I say physically ready because it's going to be a tough game against Partick Thistle but they were absolutely they blew me away tonight the team they really did I just flying out the traps there and Tom Walsh what, what first you know what performance from him to show it, and the type of players that are maybe on the fringes just showing that they're making a case to be in the team some of the football they played and I want that I want a problem because I believe in all these players and when these players are at it like that I've got a problem, but it's a good problem, and there's going to be disappointments, but trust me, they're all going to play the part, I've told them that, and they have done, all season, um, there's nobody got a definite place here, and uh, Walsh was brilliant, delighted for wee Joe, get, Hardy getting his first goal, and uh, I mean, yeah, Lewis Hyde just, I mean, there were so many good performances, I'm singling out players probably who haven't played recently, um, and doing well, but I thought my experience ones you saw them tonight um, were fantastic as well. So the players that came in that you know they really looked to stamp and make an impression going into the playoffs. And they did, and they did. I've said all along, and I really mean it. I, I, I need players uh, to believe that they're going to be be required. This has been a squad game all season. This is no a set in stone. There's my first eleven. It's changed all throughout the season, and I needed minutes in the, to some players. They did that. Um, we've got. Uh, the six games come, hopefully we're in it for the long haul in yeah. those six games but I need them to be prepared and that's I got everything out of the game I wanted tonight from the boys who haven't been playing getting minutes into them to the experienced ones to young boys just cruising through the game the the, the performance I don't I don't always get carried away but I thought our performance in the first half was nothing nothing short of amazing tonight I was like just enjoying watching it and just at the end there, we had the appreciation shown to the fans for support this season and also the awards to the Reese and David and uh, Jane for the... Great to the see awards. the awards. Great to see the awards. And um, there's been a lot of contenders this season. Um, I think it's been pretty equal, to be honest with you, but great to see all the boys getting their awards, whether it's goal of the season, player of the season, players player of the season. They, they get recognised and just delighted for them. Uh, the fans, the fans have been brilliant home and away all season. The, the, the away fans, um, they don't travel in huge numbers, but they make some noise. The home fans, I mean, they have been fantastic over the last couple of months. When I've needed them, when my team's needed them, this Kilmarnock game when we won 2-1 and Logan Chalmers scored the winner was incredible yeah. and I want them to carry that noise into the party Thistle yeah. game uh, and see if we can get us over the line to get us into the next uh, the next round uh, of the, the playoffs because if they do that and they make that noise we've got a hell of a chance yeah just on that part Thistle game you know it's been really tight games between the clubs this season so expecting nothing less coming these two games coming up we know what they bring. Yeah. Right through when we played them earlier in the season, we had to turn that around from half time when we were uh, a goal down, and we did. So we know what they bring. We know how hard they work. We have to match that, better it, and and try and let our technical players go and win as a game. We have a great chance, but we've got to be ready both mentally and physically, and I believe we are. Right, Billy Dodds. There, he talks about. And he emphasises this at the end. 
we have to let our technical players go and win us the game. He sounds confident, doesn't he? Yeah. I like the fact that he's saying that. that he's basically saying we can out-football them. You know, there's no sense from just saying, he did talk about outworking them, but he also sounds like he thinks that we've got players that can actually play better football than, than them, you know, and, and can play around them. And that's great. I actually really like that interview. I mean, to the, to the point that maybe it's coming off the back of a really good performance last night, a comfortable win against Morton, and generally a pretty good um, finish to the season. But, you know, I'm almost kind of forgetting the, the dips against Ayr and against Queen of the South. And it feels to me that, you know, listening to him, I was thinking, yeah, it's all coming together. We've got players that are coming to the ball at the right time. We've got an almost full squad to, to um, pick from. A lot of competition for places and a bench that's going to look very strong, you know, given that we have maybe, you know, 17 players available, you know, and only and only 11 places, you know, in the starting lineup, you know. And the fact that he was talking about um, everyone's going to play their part, you know, they're all sort of important. I just got a sense of, you know, players being ready for a, a sense of squad development, or sorry, squad squad togetherness, rather. Um, it just, it, it kind of left me feeling almost frighteningly optimistic, because I'm never optimistic about things like this, but he, I, I really like the sound of it. And certainly, you know, there were people earlier in the season when we were going through that 11-game dip, kind of going, oh, the players aren't playing for Dodds. I mean, what shit, you know? I didn't ever see, I saw games when we didn't know how to... Um, kill it off. I saw games when we didn't perform very well. I never saw games when it looked like the players had down tools. And I never saw games when it looked like the players were kind of going, who's this, you know, deck managing us. I always thought that he got a decent response out of them, even if they weren't playing well. It wasn't for the one to try. Yeah, it's hard, hard to see though. I mean, one, one thing I did wonder was, um, I may have just been a bit naive about this, but when he talks about letting our technical players play, who, who does he mean by that? Because, I mean, to me, a technical player is probably more likely to be your kind of you know, creative wide men. So that's probably going to be what your your Doran and um, Chalmers probably. Um, yeah. But I, I'd also be looking for kind of big, um, kind of like um, inputs from you know Sean Welsh. You know, I'd like to see you know he's he's one of the older heads in the team. I'd like to see him you know re- really kind of make his mark on these playoffs and that. Lee Smackleers, you know, obviously a bit on the younger side, but he's um, he had been playing well for us. He's gone off a wee bit of form, so I'd like to see him kind of pick things back up again. I guess you're also looking to, you know, Kirk Broadfoot as well to come back into the side. So it's not just your technical players you want yeah. something from. You, you want something from the old heads as well. Kind of what, everyone. I would call both Welsh and McAleer technical players, actually. I think they both, they, yeah. they both use the ball well. They're both intelligent central midfielders. They're definitely not um, kind of... Um, like players that go out to kind of spoil things or break things up, you know, they're not. Um, I, I was going to say they're not Ian Black or Ross Draper. Actually, those two players both actually were capable of using the ball well, and they were playing at a higher level. But their game was characterised by kind of destroying and stopping. I think our central midfielders are all pretty technical, so I think he was probably thinking of the likes of McLear and um, and well, well, let's, know, cut, let's cut. Let's cut. Let's cut to the chase. Then let's cut to the chase. What what teams are you going to pick? People might be listening to this after the game on Tuesday. You know, in a um, before they, before we um, build up to the Friday game, but you know, in advance of the Tuesday, what teams are you going to pick, or what team would you pick? You know, okay, so Richards are going to be in goal. That that's that's yeah. a given. What's what's the backline? I think obviously Richards will start, and I think the the, the backline is going to be Carson right back, Broadfoot, Divine, and Dees. So I think there's no question about that. Um, he's not going to. What Broadfoot's out? If Broadfoot's out, then Duffy will play in there. And if and if Duffy's out, then it'll be Dees moved over, and Harper will have to play. I suspect, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the 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 one outsider would be Welsh doing what he did last night and dropping in there, but I don't think he would do that. No, I don't think. So I, I think I think, don't think right. you can lose lose him from the, the midfield, can you? Um, we don't. I mean, we don't know about Broadfoot, do we? I assumed he was. We haven't heard anything. I assumed he was just being kind of rested, but then he hasn't played for three games, has he? So he possibly is. He is injured. 
Um, so, 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 what about the midfield? Would you pick a midfield three? Would you go? Would you go four five one? Because they're going to play. I haven't talked to Mark. Looks like they're going to play the three. Essentially, a four three three. So yeah. you 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 need to match up, don't you? We probably had our best performance against um, Partick Thistle. I would say with you know that kind of like five across midfield. You know, maybe like two sitting a little bit deeper, and you know three behind a striker. So a four two three one. If you want to you know, look at it that way. Um, that said, the performance against Kelly, you know, we kind of lined up largely with a kind of a four four two four four one one. So. I don't know. I kind of wonder if Dodds might be tempted by that. To be honest, um, I, I, I would, I would expect something in the midfield. I would expect him to probably just go with um, Chalmers, McAleer, um, Welsh, and Sutherland on the right, and then maybe wild card here. Maybe Roddy just ahead of them behind Mackay. Maybe keep it a little bit tight, but still a fair amount of creativity in that yeah. midfield. That, that's try what, and snatch a, maybe that's snatch what, a goal. I think he will. I think that's what he will go with, mate. Um, I think the only question, like you say, is does he play McGregor or does he play Doran mm-hmm. in the hole? And I think he'll probably yeah. play actually play Doran. Yeah, that's, mm, that's what I've said. That's what yeah, I've said as well. Roddy is the option to come off the bench and Although Doran's the option to come off the bench and change it as well, but you know we know how injury prone he is, so yeah. I think he might be. Might, although having said that, maybe the pitch is that bad down at Park, you don't want to risk someone like Doran. I don't know. I, I think yeah, that, that's what I went with was um, exactly what you said. Um, the four of um, Chalmers on the left, Sutherland the right, McAleer and um, Welsh in the middle, and Doran behind Mackay, but. I did wonder actually after last night if he's tempted at all to maybe put McGregor in ahead of McAleer. You know, I think McAleer's been really good um, the second half of the season, but I think he has, as Sub mentioned earlier, shaded slightly the last few games. He's been getting taken off, you know, earlier in games. He's maybe not had quite the influence. And McGregor, I think, has come back very, very strongly. Um, yeah, I do think McAleer's got a bit more presence. You know, he's got he's a bit he's a bit kind of like physically bigger. But I think McGregor didn't look at all cowed last yeah. night, admittedly against a pretty kind of tepid Hamilton team. Um, I think it I think it will be McAleer at start because I think has, I think you're probably right. He I has, just wondered if he's at yeah, all. He got to remember he has yeah. fancied McAleer over yeah. Roddy at long stages of the season, especially the start of the season when Roddy wasn't yeah. playing. Well that's true, yeah. Um my other I mean my one and he he definitely won't do this. But there's a part of me would almost like to see Walsh chucked in ahead of Chalmers. I was just thinking that as well. Yeah. I don't, he he won't do it. He won't do it. But I think Walsh actually last night he was so up for it. He really brought his, you know, these yeah. actually he brought his A game. And I think Walsh is he's a more experienced player. He will run at players. It doesn't always come off for them. Sometimes he drops out of games. But I think and he's got a history at Fairhill. He's he's putting some very very good performances at Fairhill. That's, that's a and that's a great show. I would be quite shout. excited to see Walsh starting there on the left. Um, Chalmers would feel very hard done to. I think. Um, and you could see why, but you know yeah. that's he's, he's a manager who has to make tough decisions. You know, so my 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 gut feeling would be that I would love to see Walsh in there, but I don't think he'll do. That. I think he'll start challenge. Right. Okay. So um, next question: What what if we go into in terms of formation and tactics? What if we go into the second leg a goal or two down? So imagine we lose the first leg. Does he then go back to four four two at the Longman? And if he does that, is that a mistake? Because a four-four-two would suggest he likes playing Samuel's up. If Samuel starts, I don't think he's good enough 
to be part of the team that would overturn a deficit. He might be a useful option to have off the bench. Yeah. But I think in a game like that, because I mean, in, in such a scenario, if we are losing by one or two goals, I would imagine that um, Partick would sit probably a bit deeper. They'd yeah. look to use the pace of Tiffany on the counter attack. And the Samuels' best asset is his pace. Yes. Um, when he scored the goal against Dunfermline, he got the ball played in behind the Dunfermline back line and he had acres of space to run into. If he's coming up against a team that's sitting on a one or two goal lead and defending deep, he's not going to have that. He's going to be completely ineffective. I can't see him doing much in that kind of situation. He's not done anything, Samuels, apart from he's scored one goal, but he's done nothing to justify being a starter so even if he switched to 4-4-2 I think what he'd do is he would put Sutherland up there as a target man alongside Mackay yeah. and he would play right. Walsh and Chalmers as his wide men or Walsh and Doran as his wide men Doran, yeah. or Doran and Chalmers as his wide men two from those three so yeah he might he might do that but it, I, I don't think it brings Samuels into the, the equation What do you think the best way the best way is to unlock and pick that park defence then? How, where, where, where can you see the goals coming from? Where can you see the chances coming well, from? I was impressed by how quickly we moved the ball at times last night. We played some nice little kind of um, triangles, just you know, quick one-touch passing, and we were carving Hamilton open at will at times. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that for a whole tatty field, are we? Well, I, I was going to say, I, I do, I do think our, you know, we do have um, better players, players who are probably better capable of passing the ball, and maybe a lot of people realise. And I would like to see us do that, but obviously the the, the pitch at um, for Hill is um, yeah. awful. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a reality <laughs> that you've got to. I think we did this last time. You've got to. Sh- we obviously we lost, but have you got to turn shit house a one nil, or come away with a nil nil or a one one, and then go right? Mm-hmm. We will. We will play better when we can play on our football pitch. On probably, yeah. Field. I th- I think we will. We will probably take pot shots because we've got the players to do it. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, as you say, you know, uh, uh, in that sort of tight field, we're not necessarily going to be able to kind of like. Um, Build up and, and pass around them and play around. Great example of that was um, I almost forgot his name, Pearson. So he played in that game. I think they hooked him at half time, and he, he was yeah. in great, great form before that. But he could not play on that pitch. Mm-hmm. Ball was bobbling yeah. up. He couldn't get the ball running. He couldn't get moving, and he looked he looked terrible. And he got taken off at half time because you and Sean Welsh really struggled with the with the ball as well because he is a technician. He is a, he is a maestro, you know, and he couldn't play the ball. So you've almost got to go right. We're going to play the physical boys in this game. And we're just going to have to go more long balls and stuff. Yeah. So. The thing is, I mean, if we if we do that, if we kind of um, bombard them, if we could somehow get ahead early and then they have to come out at us, then those sorts of opportunities, even if we're not kind of like passing around them, if they're coming out at us, then there are more gaps to, even if it's, you know, speculative shots to kind of go through, you know. So I think, um, I mean, it's a shame actually that they've now got a decent goalkeeper. Yeah. Partick had, you know, Partick used to have kind of um, fairly kind of like rotten, um, throw a few in type keepers, but Sneddon's been good this season, you know. But I still think you know we've got the players that can that can score what, from those sort of positions. What are the key matchups then, guys? Um, we talked about what our lineup is. Um, Mark went through what he thinks the the Partick lineup will be. What do you think the key matchups are? Where are the the, the key battles in both of these matches? Tiffany, if he plays um, against Carson, or you know, if Dodds does decide to select him at right back, Duffy, that, that's obviously a key one. Um, because you know, he's probably our, he's 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 Partick's you know probably greatest creative threat. I mean, and uh, one one thing to point out with that though is when he played in the game, the nil nil game earlier in the season, he started on the left, and then when Robbie Dees got a yellow card earlier on, I think I might mention this on an earlier pod, McCall switched Tiffany over to the right hand side 
to obviously put pressure on these, maybe try and draw a second a foul and get him a second yellow and get him sent off. No bother for for Robbie D. He had him in his back pocket all game. So, um, but yeah, he's he's so he's not not really a threat on the right. I don't think if he's up against these, but against maybe Carson or or Duffy, he, he could be a bit of a game changer there potentially. Yeah, um, Divine. I assume it'll be Divine rather than Broadfoot against Brian Graham is a big one, obviously. I think um, Divine's got the Divine's obviously got something to to prove against Partick anyway yeah. because um, he was shite in a absolutely lamentably bad Partick team in which every single player was useless and couldn't do anything, you know. And they can't accept the fact that he's been one of the best defenders in the league this season, which he absolutely has been, yeah. you know. And I kind of hope that he either listens to this and hears that or that he reads Pine Bovril, which he's unlikely to do, and kind of goes, right, get it up them. And he completely nullifies um, Brian Graham. He's been, um, he's been player of the season for me. Um, he's, been, he's been superb for me. Yeah, he's been, he's been excellent, you know, and it was very unfortunate that he had that, that injury layoff, you know, because he, he's been excellent. Um, and I think, you know, playing alongside Kirk Broadfoot has obviously benefited him, but for me, he's actually been slightly the better of yeah. the two, the more reliable of the two. Well, we should, I think we should say congratulations to Davy Carson, who got player of the year. Congratulations to Reese McAleer, who got young player of the year. Did he get goal of the season as well? He did, yeah. yeah and to, Sh- and to Shane, him. who got the player's player of the year, which Shane, I think is, um, yep. that's very telling, you know, the fact that, um, a guy who's kind of come in and he's played the third most games of any player and he's played in a number of different positions and he's a top league scorer, yeah. you know, and I doesn't think, always get the credit, but the players yeah. know how good he's I think su- su- summed it up. Um, we've given him a bit of stick on this pod as well um, because um, I think you guys have talked about this before, you know, he's been played in that, that hole that didn't really suit him and we now find a position that suits him and he's been absolutely fantastic since he's moved to right midfield and the form's, you know, I think when our form is not good, he doesn't play that well. When our form is good, he plays really well. Stick your necks out then, guys. Predictions. What's happening on the Tuesday and what's happening on a Friday after a full season of analysis and four matches between these sides? Surely the listeners can rely on us to get it right. Surely. Jesus, I don't think I've got anything right all season. Um, <laughs> my, right, history dictates we won't win my pessimism dictates we don't win my superstition dictates we don't win but if we are going in form and logic and a comparison of the squads then we are winning both legs 2-1 each 4-2 overall Oof, that is specific and i like it i'm gonna That'll say, be wrong though We're <laughs> i'm i'm gonna say either a 0-0 or a 1-0 defeat for hill which i wouldn't be distraught with we get yeah. him back up the road and we win 3-1 and then and then and then Ricky Foster um runs into the um away end and rock bottoms all the Partick Thistle support. I think you're almost bang on there, Sav. I think it will be nil nil at Firhill, and we will be happy with that. And no football will be played. And on the Friday, I think we could win one or two nil. I think we'll win one or two nil. And I think it might be a goal in the second half from a substitute, if you want to be more specific. There you go. <laughs> well, t- tell us the minute if you want to be more specific. Well, a goal, a goal from second half from a substitute. Um, it's, it's Austin Samuels and it's an overhead kick into the top corner that he didn't even know he could do. So. Yeah. I like the fact that we've all been quite specific. We've all predicted quite different things. Um, so clearly it's going to be something that's completely different from 
any of us have predicted. We all think, we all think we're going through, though. We all think we're going through, don't we? I, th- I think we've got an excellent chance, yeah. provided we... Um, I mean, probably on the probably on the vision that you know all our players are, with the exception of Aldice, are fully fit, and Partick maybe are without one of, or maybe even both, maybe Tiffany and Graham. But even with them, I think we have a, I think we have got a very good chance. I really do, especially you know as Ay says, based on the form of the two sides, they, they've completely lost their way. We've maybe not been that good in some of the recent games, but we seem to be on you know a better roll than they are. Are we going to pre- talk about our growth at all, given that we won't be able to record another podcast? Are we going to even just see what happens if we get through? Why not? Yeah, what, happens well. we, what happens if we get through? I think R- Riley and I both have said exactly the same thing. We both fear Partick and are almost stupidly optimistic about our growth. I mean, we've got a better record against our growth this season than we do against Partick. We've got a winning record against them. Two wins, one draw. Um, one narrow defeat that could have gone either way. Um, I think against our growth, the key is keep it really tight because they will go for our throats from the start like they did against Killy in that kind of like so-called league decider. We also saw in that game, they were done after 15 minutes. Killy went up a level. Our growth couldn't live with it. We've got more depth. We've got a better record against them this season. And I think as long as we aren't kind of stupid and allow them to kind of dominate us and bully us early on, then over 180 minutes, I think we are definitely... Yep. a better team than our growth and that, that sounds really rough given that I mean they've only scored once against us in four league games this season you know I looked at, and, and, you know, and, and they've not looked like scoring I think it's absolutely astonishing that they're the top goal scorers in the league this season I think if we, if we beat Party Thistle then we will be recording another pod and it'll be looking forward to this Johnston game and looking back mm-hmm. at our growth games I think if we beat Party yeah. Thistle then we beat our growth I'm very confident about that and I think Billy Dodds and the players will be as well yeah it's potentially quite an easy narrative to fall into is the fact that, yeah, I mean, they, they look burst after like an hour because they're a part-time side, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we, we, we took them apart recently in Inverness 3-0. They were never in that game. And, and whilst they look impressive for, you know, some of the, the game against Killy the other night, as AY says, they, they were absolutely gassed. I, I do kind of feel... Just like, just like, just like uh, Nicky Lowe the other night in the Norseman. Yeah, I do feel like they're running on fumes a little bit, but however, you know, bear in mind they're they're going to have a week's rest, so that that's potentially quite good for them. You know, may, maybe they're getting a rest at a good time. So, um, I think obviously with the second leg being in our growth, I would like to see us, you know, hopefully, you know, repeat the three 0 pump in we dished out to them recently, and because um, I could see them being all over us at Gayfield. And it could be quite, you know, it could be a case that we win 3-0 in Inverness and they're 2-0 up and pressing for a winner for the final 10 minutes of the game. And it is just, you know, there are no fingernails left on anyone's, you know, hands basically by the end of that one. All you can say is it's exciting. It's great to be in this position. It's something to look forward to. And, you know, yep. most, most teams have finished their season and we've still got something to play for. And exactly. when, we, when we were in that 11-game run, you would never have predicted we would be in this situation. So, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. And it's great. You know, what 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 a great you know, it, it, all right, it's ups and downs. But you know what a great season to come back to after COVID to go back to watch football matches. You know, oh, it's been good. I mean, the, and, and yeah. there are still people pissing and moaning and absolutely furious that Billy does his turn and turned it around because they've just decided that he's, you know, he's not the man for us. And it's, it's bullshit. I think it's been a very very good first season. But. Yeah, yeah, definitely something to build on for next season. Okay, uh, well, this is obviously a shorter pod. That's all for this Partick preview pod. Um, all I can say is I hope we're back with an Arbroath. Well, I hope we're back with the Arbroath review, Sir Johnston preview. Um, but if not, we will be back at some point soon for our annual season review and season preview pods. So 
Uh, Friday, we'll not say goodbye. We'll just say bonjour. Cheers. Bonjour. Take care of yourselves and each other. And up the Cali and bye for now. Yep, yep.